Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in on a Monday morning. Man, that was a lot of sports to watch this weekend. College football playoff games, uh, the Jazz Saturday night after the college games. On top of that, a ton of pro football Sunday with both networks uh, allowed to show doubleheaders only on the last weekend, which I think they ought to change. I think you could do, and I get they don't want to go full bore on that, especially with the bye weeks, there aren't enough good games and that, but but the opening weekend when there's a huge appetite for football, and I think the next last weekend, there's no bye weeks and there's a lot of games that impact the playoff race. They get out a couple more, put your toe in the water. Come on, NFL, do it. Uh, as far as the NFL, I thought the surprise on Sunday was that the New England Patriots couldn't beat Miami, and then it fell on the defense, that the offense actually got the league late, and the defense just needed a stop, and they couldn't get it. And now they're the three seed. They don't get a bye for the first time in a decade, a whole decade of alternating between the one and two seeds. Holy cow. And now they got open on the road. Well, <clears throat> good luck with that. That is a very difficult path to think that they're going to win at home uh, week one, which they ought to do. They they get Tennessee. Tennessee took care of business. Most teams took care of business. Really, the Patriots, you know, that's the exception to the rule. Most of the teams had a chance to clinch. Uh, Tennessee got a gift with Houston not playing their starting quarterback. So that's, you know, with Watson out, that made that a little bit easier. Um, and most teams took care of business. Certainly, New Orleans did. Wow. Now, they don't have an easy road to the playoffs either. But, wow. They... Uh, they got a difficult road in the playoffs, but that was, they took Carolina apart. And as far as the college football, uh, I guess that was really the, uh, the reason not to expand the playoffs, right? Yes, more teams deserve to be in, but how close really are you to number one? In a sport where the elite tend to pull away, where we've had a lot of postseason blowouts in this 14 playoff. There have been title games that have gotten out of hand. There have been a bunch of semifinals that have gotten out of hand. Uh, the good semifinal games have been the exception, and there have been a few. And we got another good one with Clemson and Ohio State. That was a great game. You know, there are a handful of important plays, and Clemson made one more of them. And, you know, Ohio State's going to look back and think, why didn't we get touchdowns when we were, you know, down there kicking field goals to finish those drives? And maybe it's a different game, and maybe it is, or maybe Clemson gets going earlier. Who knows? Uh, there are a handful of plays you can look back at, but that was a good game. Now the question is, is Clemson good enough to hang with LSU, or is LSU that much better than everybody? Because they were way better than Oklahoma. And even if one of the two lost teams would have uh, been a better matchup, because Oklahoma had guys suspended, and then they had a guy ejected, and, and their defense hasn't been a lead anyway. Even if a two-loss team would have been a better matchup, how much better? I mean, the gap from LSU to Oklahoma was so wide. When you score seven times on eight possessions in one half, when you're basically sitting on 50 points and 500 yards, and I get that they weren't quite, but basically they were. <laughs> they, were they, they just went nuts. And they would have smoked anybody. Maybe they wouldn't have smoked somebody that bad. But I just look around and think, uh, Georgia or Utah or Oregon or Baylor or LSU is just awesome. And I don't think they'll smoke Clemson. I think they'll beat them. I think those three undefeated teams really were a notch above everybody else. But if you increase the playoffs, which might be fair as far as who gets in the playoffs and who doesn't, but are you really going to put in teams that can compete with number one and compete for the national title? Because obviously the NCAA basketball tournament, it's great and they're great games all along, but... Nobody in the 60s can really compete with the champion. You just don't really expect that. Um, you expect that, that those teams that are going to the Final Four to really drop the hammer on some teams early in the tournament. And you want that out of football. If you go to eight, are we just going to see LSU smoke two teams? 
That'll be the argument a lot of people make going forward. All right, that's a lot of the uh, sports, some of the sports this weekend. As far as the Jazz, it was a, obviously a really good win against the Clippers. I think arguably the best of the year. I, I think it is the best of the year. I know a lot of people look at Milwaukee also. Uh, we can get to that later in the show. Um, Right now, though, let's talk about the bowl game that is right in front of us. The Utes press conferences over the weekend. Morgan Scally and some of the players meeting with the media. We're going to let you listen in to the Utah defensive coordinator. Here he is on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. My pleasure to inter- introduce Utah defensive coordinator Morgan Scally. Coach, could you introduce um, your players and open with an opening statement about how bowl preparations have gone? You bet. Bradley and I. Okay, defensive end, we got Lecky Fotu, defensive tackle, linebacker Francis Bernard, and safety Terrell Burgess. Uh, fired up to be here. You know, um, I've recruited Texas for 12 years, and uh, always, you know, everything's bigger in Texas. Football's big. It's big time. And so to, to play Texas here uh, in this setting in a great bowl game, we're fired up. Quality opponent, their offense. Um, starts up front. They do a great job, especially with the, the quarterback being a running threat of, of running the football. And then uh, with their wide receivers and long lever kids that we got to be able to, to body up and, uh, and cover. Um, they're efficient on offense, uh, do a great job of, of securing the football as well. So uh, we got our work cut out for us, and we're excited to, to play. Thank you, Coach. If you have questions, please raise your hand, and the mic holders will come to you. Uh, we also have questions that I'll read from our social media using hashtag Bowl. If someone wants to tag any post, we'll uh, answer questions from that. Questions from the front, Kirk? Question. Yeah. Uh, Kirk Bowles from the Austin American Statesman. Uh, Bradley, when Texas played Georgia last year, Georgia fans and a lot of people said, well, they didn't really want to be there. They were already knocked out of the CFP. You guys are in the same situation Georgia is. How fired up and how motivated are you all to play in this bowl game? Just ready to go. We have uh, one more shot. There's a group of seniors here to leave the program better than we found it. And so we're fired up and we're ready to go. Front, Brian. Yeah, Morgan. Uh, Brian Davis from the Austin American Statesman. Coach Nivar was just in here, mm-hmm. and I think he said y'all are a, quote, damn good team uh, like 50 times. At least, what, <laughs> okay. what, uh, what, do, what do you think has been the secret to y'all's defensive success this year? Uh, and specifically, how has uh, Bradley been able to have uh, s- such a great year when you just on paper, you know, he might be, he looks undersized, but he has fantastic stats. Gotcha. Well, first of all, we have good players, you know. Um, <laughs> we have we have good players. We have senior uh, leadership, upperclassmen leadership, the best I think that we've ever had at the University of Utah, and it goes a long way. When you have uh, players that buy into your culture and your way of doing things and they hold other guys accountable to it, then you have something special. I also believe our best players are our hardest workers. So, uh, you know, usually you're, you're, you're having to harp on guys, practice hard, uh, we don't have to do that at Utah with this group. You know, next year, uh, that may be a different story. We'll have to you know, get, get that going a little bit. But very good players, uh, you know, upperclassmen lead by, the, you know, by example and hold people accountable. And then as, in terms of Bradley, as long as you've got a high motor, okay, and he's athletic, you're going to make plays. And he'll be the first to tell you that uh, having a good secondary – is another reason for his success. 
right, having guys that can cover. But Bradley, since the moment he stepped on campus, has had a high motor and a high care factor, and it's the reason why. Are you are you leading now? Are you the the leading sack? Are uh, you the, one more. Two. One more. Well, let's get it. Jeez, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, and and can't say enough about the rest of these guys. Again, it's it's all about the players, and uh, gonna miss these guys a lot. Uh, gonna miss these guys a lot. Center. Terrell, could you, from a leadership standpoint, can you talk us how you get a guy like Jason Shelley acclimated kind of on the fly uh, with only three or four weeks after that Pac-12 championship game? Um, I think it's just, uh, in this program we teach a lot, uh, next man up, and he was asked to move to safety, you know, give him a better possibility to get on the field. And I think he's acclimating very well. It's uh, it's hard, you know, to teach somebody a new position, but if they're willing to try and do it, then that's what makes it easier. So it's it's been going well. I mean, I'm excited to see him get on the field at some point and see what he can do. Terrell, what specifically have you you learned from from the Oregon game? I mean, it's been almost a month now. Um, I mean, we try not to talk about games. You know, we're we're on to Texas now, but. I think we just learned that we got to make tackles. We got to win. Uh, you know, it sucks to lose, but it happens. Anybody can lose on any given day. They had a great scheme. They played a great game, but we're on to Texas now. Front, second round. <clears throat> Morgan, what does a guy like uh, Jeff Gidry do to your guys' defense, and is he y'all's answer for Devin Duvernay for, on Texas' team? Well, he's one of the answers. I don't think you know. That's that's a dynamic football player, but. Uh, Javelin is a dynamic football player. When when you can win the 100 meters in the state of Texas and in the state of California, there's something special about you. Okay, he's got a ton of speed. Very underrated football player on our team. Not a lot of people talk about him because not a lot of people go at him. Uh, so excited for that matchup when he does get that matchup. And uh, you know, any any time you got defensive backs like that that can cover. You know that can that can cover man to man on a consistent basis. It allows you to do some different things up front, bring pressure uh, in, in in ways that you couldn't if you couldn't cover. So um, he's a valuable valuable piece to what we do. You said y'all recruit Texas and you head it up. Do you have several coaches recruiting? We have three state? in the state of Texas. You have yep. three. Okay. You have three in other states. Well, we have the majority are going to be within our Pac-12 footprint. So right. we we draw the majority of our skilled players out of California. Right. Uh, Florida has become a big part of what we're what we're doing recruiting wise, and Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, three in Texas just because we've had you know strong relationships there. We've been able to get some some quality players and right. Is Utah maybe the most underrated program in the country? I mean. I don't know that. I don't. I don't know that. I. I, I know that uh, we love, you know, our players. And uh, Kyle Whittingham could not coach for a better man. You know, he runs a, a quality program. You saw that uh, he got the Bobby Dodd coach the coach of the year, and and he deserves it. You know, he, uh, he preaches integrity. You look at our academic track record, and uh, there's a reason Utah's been successful. It's in large part because of Kyle Whittingham, and he'll he'll point it back to these guys. It's all about the players. Brian, do you have a, oh, right there. Uh, Morgan, how would you describe how the secondary has come together in these three weeks without uh, Jalen Johnson and Julian Blackman? Um, well, you know, 
coming coming together, they are together. You know, they've been together since day one, adding a, a piece like Jason Shelley. Um, it's easy when they're willing, you know, and he's willing. And he's done nothing but get better every single day. Uh, Nephi Sewell has practiced with us, um, obviously a lot more since he, be, he was, became eligible. But uh, this is not a hard group to get to bond, to get to gel. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, facing an opponent like Texas, they got to get to know the scheme. They have to know, you know, what are their strengths? What do we have to stop? What are our strengths? You know, what can we draw upon? So it has not been hard getting them to, to gel because we've already had that. But in terms of them working together, right, having a guy like Jason that's never played on the defensive side of the ball, having a guy like Nephi that is, is you know, fairly new in terms of being eligible, that's been the uh, the thing we've been working on. And they're practicing well. Very, very solid practices throughout bowl prep. Francis, uh, what are your overall impressions of Texas and what you've seen on on film so far? Um, just to echo what Coach Gallagher said, man, they're they're a good team. Um, offensively, they do good things. Um, just like Coach said, it all starts up front. They do a good job uh, trying to establish the, the line scrimmage, and so once they can do that, you know, they're they're able to do multiple things. Whether it's run the ball, whether it's you know get the ball to you know the favorite receiver number six. Um, or run the ball with uh, the quarterback. And so, um, you know, they're a good team. We're excited to play, and it's going to be a good, good ball game. Like, we've talked a lot about how, you know, you guys coming back this year was, was kind of a, a nice thing for you to be able to kind of play together. What's it mean now to just actually finalize that in an allable bowl setting? Um, just means a lot, you know, to, um, to finish uh, this year. With the the guys that we came in uh, with our class, um, you know, we still have a chance, you know, to to make this a special one, um, and we look forward to doing that next week. Thank you, Lecky. Front Kirk. <clears throat> yeah, for Lecky and Bradley, both of you, you know, Jalen decided to not play in the game. Why did you guys decide to play in this game? When the trend for a lot of guys around college football are to skip the bowl game, why is this so meaningful for y'all? another shot at uh, proving some more stuff you have to prove for yourself um, another opportunity to put uh, some good film on for whoever's watching you know like, thank you brother. there's a lot but <laughs> <laughs> the more the merrier uh, you know just the same thing as Brad um, you know I to myself I, I feel like I owe it to the program um, you know I've never been that type of guy to, to miss a game for anything um, and also, you know, just to, to play with everyone. Uh, just one more last time. Question in the middle. Morgan, we've talked kind of ad nauseum about how you guys switch players up in the program sometimes. From your standpoint, what, how could you kind of break it down, the move for Jason to, to the defensive backfield from, from your standpoint? Like, does Coach Witt come to you and say, hey, we want to put Shelley at, at safety? What do you think? If you well, could just kind of give us a peek right. on how this kind of works. Well, the, the conversations had, you know, do you think he can do it? Well, athletically, we thought he could do it. Uh, how that conversation went with him, I have no idea. Uh, he said yes, and it's my job to coach him up. So um, he's a smart young man uh, that is athletic. Um, and 
again. It's it's one thing when you get a guy like that and you're teaching him, um, and they go back, and the next day you're not seeing any improvement. Well, he goes home and works on it, and the next day all of a sudden he's weaving the right way. He's doing things that you're okay. I can tell you went home and you practiced this. He's doing that. And so that's why I expect him to have success. How early that success is going to happen, we'll find out. But uh, very excited to coach this young man. All right, Utah Press Conference's Morgan Scally getting his turn in the spotlight. We are going to take a break. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show as they get a great win over the Clippers. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. So the Utah Jazz take down the LA Clippers. They've got a bunch of wins here. Um, it's been a nice stretch, seven out of eight now, eight out of ten. Um, but this is this is clearly an elite win. You know they beat uh, one of the other top six teams. They really haven't seen that much. You know Nuggets, Mavericks, Rockets. We'll get to it. They'll they'll have plenty of showdowns. They haven't had that many showdowns against elite Western teams. Um, they have met the Clippers now three times, and they've met the Lakers a couple times. But waiting to waiting to see the other guys. And obviously they've seen some elite teams in the East, and that didn't go that well on a road trip. But they did get Milwaukee at home. So, what are the Jazz players? What does Coach Quinn Snyder think of the win over Clippers? I mean, it is one out of 82, but it's a good one. Here's the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Saturday night, the Jazz took down the Clippers in L.A., 120-107. to 107. Certainly the Jazz' signature victory on the year. And after playing a stretch where they didn't play a ton of good teams and the Jazz were, uh, were uh, piling up some wins, you kind of wondered, well, is this just them playing against the dregs of the NBA? Well, they went out on Saturday night and beat one of the NBA's best. Behind Donovan Mitchell, who was superb, particularly in the fourth quarter, he finished the game with 30 points, 9 assists, and 7 rebounds. New Jazz man Jordan Clarkson had 19 points coming in off the bench in 20 five minutes and let's start things out with some post-game sound with uh, the walk-off interview with David Locke and Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson welcome to the Jazz post-game show for the first time. Uh, I talked to Ty Lue before the game and he said that you were uh, ecstatic to be in this situation. I'm guessing you're even more ecstatic now. Oh yes sir. Um, just another, just a big win for us. Uh, I talked to T. Lou before the game. Uh, you know we had that final stretch. Um, you know he's just very happy for me to be in this place. And I'm just happy to have this opportunity right now. I was asking everybody before the game about that, Jordan, that you've really only played 28 games in your NBA careers so far on a team that was really good. Yeah. What uh, is it like for you to be back in that circumstance? Um, it's uh, it's great. You know, that, that moment really prepared me for this time. Uh, I'm just continue to uh, try to grow, uh, get all this stuff down. I know it's not going to happen in one day. Um, so I know it's a process every day, and I'm just here to compete and uh, try to help this uh, organization get and, to that goal. And how? Go ahead, Rob. What about the terminologies that the Jazz are using right now? Has uh, some of the things been easier to pick up? Because I, I know it's different than where you were. Uh, Coach has been doing a good job communicating with me. Uh, if you see through the timeouts, I kind of run over there and kind of kind of listen to him every time we uh, we have a little break. 
uh, and players are doing the, the same as well as my teammates. So uh, Joe's Joe's in my ear all the time. Donovan, uh, everybody, man, they're just talking to me and bringing me along. Jordan, welcome to Utah. It'll be a huge round of applause for you tomorrow night, I'm sure, after that performance. And congratulations on a really good win. Yes, sir. Thank you. That was Jordan Clarkson, 19 points coming in off the bench in the Jazz big-time victory. Uh, let's now let you hear from Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. About the way you guys played tonight. Well, I thought, you know, we have so much respect for that team and myself personally for Doc. Um, and they're, I thought the first quarter especially, they really hurt us on the offensive glass. So... For us to be able to respond, we had some good things happen to us. I thought Donovan's threes at the end of the second quarter gave us a lift. But, you know, before that, in the second quarter, we were we were doing a better job rebounding. And, you know, when you're taking the ball out of the net um, on second chance points, it makes your offense, it makes it a lot harder. So I thought we got better as the game went on. And, Obviously, defended collectively, we defended well. Donovan mentions that you know he relies on his teammates so much, but when you talk about the three ball falling there and him getting going in that third quarter and fourth quarter, what do you see there? Well, he picked his spots, and, and I think that what he said is true. I mean, that's what he's that's what he's thinking out there. And you know, he had one play, he, he got in the paint, and he'd been finishing. And he missed Royce in the corner, and he he told him at timeout. You know, so. I think his awareness of his teammates, um, coupled with his ability to attack, um, he's finding a good balance. What does that mean for you guys going forward, that Donovan is starting to make the reads that you, you've you been trying to him kind of? He's been making them for a while, Tony. I just think he's, it's, it's not just him, it's it's everybody. You know, and, you know, going forward, we're the same team we were a day ago. And, you know, it's a good win for us, but, um, you know, by no means are we... We need to keep getting better, and I think that's why we're playing a little better because we've been really kind of honest with ourselves about the things we need to do to win, and tonight it was rebounding the ball, and we were able to do that you know, after the first quarter and beyond. Jordan Clarkson also was doing a lot of things well in just his second game, but what about his defense and being able to stay in front of the guys tonight? Yeah, he, he competes. I mean, I, I think you know, anytime you've got you know, a NBA special talent, which for him, he's able to score the ball, um, you can get focused on that and I think he's got a lot of pride as a basketball player he knows you know defense is important to us um, and he's you know it's not like he's questioning any of that he's trying to guard and um, you know guys respect that and uh, you know who he is as a player I just he plays with a lot of a lot of passion and he's just dialed in in timeouts and to be this new to the group and be as focused as he is on helping us win um, he's not out there thinking about, you know, I've got a score. Um, that's something that comes to him. He's thinking about winning. They don't, they don't hit any shots in the last four minutes of the game. What did you like about your defense late? Well, I thought we defended well. Um, at the same time, you know, they're, they're capable of – we were fortunate a couple times. I, I don't think we gave them anything easy. That's why I mentioned the offensive boards. Um, and we took care of the ball. So – if you do those two things, you get a chance to, to play defense. And you know, like I said, there's there's shots that um, a few of them you just, you just you're gonna get a little luck doesn't hurt. And some of them they go in, you tip your hat. And, and uh, but we tried to control the things we could. The fourth quarter was really anybody's game at that point. What did your team do so well? Allowed you to pull away, and escape with a nice. Victory? Um, 
You know, I, I think, I, like I said, I, I think we didn't give him extra possessions as much as anything. Um, you know, we were connected on the defensive end. It was just the other day that we were talking about letting other teams creep in in that fourth quarter and not putting your, like, foot on the throat completely. Are you going to be able to look back at this game and take away, like, that's how we're supposed to play? I, I think anytime you, you, you kind of close and, and, and play that way, it's something to build on. You know, I know the last time we played here, you know, we, we did the exact opposite. So there's two bookends. Both those teams are us. You know, that, that was who we were that night. And we were a different team tonight. And the challenge is to be consistent. There's Quinn Snyder after his team beat the Clippers 120 to 107 to move to 20 and 12 on the year. Heard the nice things he said right there uh, about Jordan Clarkson and about the Jazz win, how they tightened some things up, struggled a little bit, particularly on the boards in the first quarter, and uh, wound up uh, really um, salvaging a great performance in Los Angeles. Let's now let you hear from Rudy Gobert. Uh, I think the b- biggest part was myself and, uh, you know, physicality. I feel like the, I wasn't locked in in the first quarter, you know, especially on the defensive rebound. And uh, I just, you know, as a team and especially myself, we just turned it around in the second half. As a team defensively, just collectively, what do you, guys, what do you think about your defensive effort in that second half? Uh, I think it's definitely one of the best, especially in your fourth quarter, one of the best quarter of basketball that we play defensively. Um, they're a very talented team. They're very skilled and they're very physical and we were about to not foul, defend them and get the rebounds. So it was the three things that we wanted you know, to do to win this game and we did. Talk about coming into this game as being a test and a challenge for you guys. What does this one tell you? It tells us that we can be a very good team. You know, it just on us to keep getting better and, uh, and you know, and, and defend and, and play the way we play, play as a team. You know, when we do that, we, we get a chance to be pretty special. That was Rudy Gobert, 12 points, 8 rebounds uh, last night in the big-time win over the L.A. Clippers. The Jazz had six players in double figures led by Donovan Mitchell's 30 points. Next up for the Utah Jazz tonight, they have a showdown with the Pistons right here at Vivint Smart Home Arena. Tip-off will be at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage on 97.5 FM will begin at 6. All right, there's the best of the post-game show. Joe Ingles with another strong game, and you will hear from him next. Stay with us. Take the Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, Joe Ingles made his weekly visit, kind of bouncing around on the schedule with the holidays and all that. He came in very late on the show on Friday. For you early risers, here he is. Obviously, this is before the game against the Clippers, so we couldn't ask him about that. But he did talk at length about a new move he's added this year where he can dribble into a three-pointer. He was always good three-point shooter off the catch and shoot but now he can dribble into it and he can dribble into it going right he used to always have to go left and as he's about to explain to you they in the playoffs they took that away from him so he had to add a new move is he more aggressive now yes but is he more aggressive now because he's got an extra move and he's got more confidence in it i would argue yes here's joe ingles on 97.5 and 1280 the zone hey yeah 
This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show (laughs) with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. Time to welcome in Joe now. Joe, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? We are doing well this morning. You? Uh, good. How long does a uh, that feel good buzz, the adrenaline rush of playing well and helping your team well and helping your team win and, and doing it all at home where the crowd's going nuts? How long does that last? And how long before you move by it and it's yeah, it's just another day? Um, I mean, it's probably different for everyone. <laughs> As uh, bad as it sounds, it's it's pretty quick for me. Um, uh, I think kind of win or lose, um, or if you play well or you don't play up to the play. Um, it was a especially I guess last night too. It's a later night um, with a, an eight thirty game, and, and obviously being on national TV takes a bit longer. And by the time the game finished, I had a couple friends there from. Australia that I said hello to and um, came home and tried to go to sleep as soon as I could because I was up with the kids at uh, 7.30 or whatever. So, um, yeah, just yeah, as fun as it is and obviously the, the adrenaline's still there, you get home and you, you can't just go right to sleep. But um, it's also what's kind of kept the perspective for me more since having a kid just... Um, realizing there's, there's a lot more than, than just basketball. You know, some of the stuff that happens in basketball, it just happens really fast, and you just got to ad-lib and recognize the moment and seize it. And other stuff is really meticulously planned, and it happens for really specific reasons. And I was curious watching uh, the start of the, uh, the Blazer game. You were running pick and rolls, and you make a habit of uh, – when you dribble, you're going somewhere for a reason, usually. Some guys dribble and don't go anywhere and kind of drift, but that's not the way you play. Usually when you're dribbling, you're going somewhere. And to watch you dribble into a pick and roll and then dribble into another one, you know, use the screen a second time, and then back up, I know there's been an issue with teams dropping their big and taking away layups. And when I see you dribbling into multiple step-back threes, I'm thinking, number one, he's not just doing that. He's probably, you know, this is probably a focus with the coaching staff and practice. And number two dribbling into a step-back three is probably the hardest shot to make in basketball, and you made two of them right away. So I'm curious how much you've had to work on it individually, and how much is this the kind of the, the answer to the big man dropping this year and you guys getting defended differently? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I think it's the, the thing I kind of talked about in my exit meeting was um, obviously with the playoffs and that and the team sending me right and um, – yeah, it was something I needed to, to get better at, and, and more than anything, kind of more confident. That I, I'd been through what what coach the system and stuff that we play. I'd always been able to get back to my left hand with the the offense that we've got, and, um, the position that that he put me in. But then, um, obviously, during the playoffs, it, 
kind of turns up to another level and the, the scout's a lot harder and higher and focused. And um, that was one of the things that I, I knew I had to, to get better at and more confident taking that shot. I don't know, kind of before this year and probably a little bit last year, how many times I would have actually shot the ball going to my right. Um, it was just, yeah, getting comfortable with that. And I think spending the off-season and having Vince come down to Australia and then obviously coming back here and, and continuing kind of what we, we started um, in the off-season. And I actually said to him last night, I think the first three I missed, I shot going left and actually felt more uncomfortable shooting going to my left because I've done so many repetitions of going to my right because that's what I know that they're going to eventually kind of do. And, um, but a lot of teams now, it's pretty consistent that uh, they go under the pick and roll going to my left, which is trying to stop my penetration and um, that kind of creating. And then they chase over going right because they know I don't want to... Well, in the past, I haven't wanted to, to make a play going to my right. So... Um, it's been a pretty consistent kind of theme this year, and um, like, I, like I said, I've, I've worked on it a lot. I spent a lot of time in the gym doing it to to be able to be effective at it. Um, and yeah, I feel like it's it's kind of slowly coming together. So let's throw a bone to all the uh, youth coaches, the AAU coaches, the uh, high school players who uh, listen to this live or listen to it later when they uh, download it. I am curious how when you say there's a lot of repetition, do you do this a hundred times a day, six days a week? Do you do it fifty times a day, three or four times a week? I mean, how much repetition went into this to get you to the point where you can do it in a game pretty flawlessly? Oh, I mean, off seasons obviously a ton more than than during the season. Um, I mean, I was. I was with Vince kind of a couple of hours on the court each day um, in the off-season while he was down and, and then um, the guys that were working me out once once Vince had left. Um, and then I, I guess the hard part, obviously during the season, you're you're playing games and traveling and doing all that. Sometimes we don't have a gym on the road or whatever it is and um, or we've played back-to-backs or whatever the schedule is. So you're just trying to find kind of any time you can and um, I mean you might have seen it on shoot around, uh, shoot around days I've got a little routine that I do obviously pre-game we've got a little routine so I think I think during the once the season starts you've you've kind of you not are who you are but you you've you, you can't be spending um, especially if you're, you're playing big minutes or you're in the rotation you can't be spending two hours in the gym trying to um, to work on something after a, a practice so um, pre uh, post practice and pre practice, we always get some time. Obviously, the, the pre game shoot around everyone sees. Um, but I've got a little routine which we, we've talked about before. Of every guy kind of has their little routine, and mine includes those shots going to my right. So it, it's something that I basically do every day now. Um, I'll do it today when we go into the gym before we we fly out. I obviously did it couple of times yesterday because it was posted around and then pre-game um, and then yeah back so um, I don't know I, wouldn't, I don't know the, the time frame on it but it's it's at least every day sometimes it's a couple of times a day alright well for anybody who wants to you know anybody who's 15 years old out there trying to add that to the game that's how hard you have to work to get that good at it um, 
You know, one of the other things that's a, a wild card in all this is the NBA and, and players come and go, and uh, they always move on, and there's always a new guy coming in. How much do you know about Jordan Clarkson from playing against him for a few years, and how much do you just not know him and it'll take a few road trips and hang out, and how much do you just jam him up anyway because you're Joe Ingles and what the heck? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously from, from – I, I, I only playing against him. Um, I've always, I think Donaldson, he's always kind of been one of those like tougher covers on defense because he he just goes out and plays and he's aggressive and he. And I think that you saw that last night. He he comes out. He credit to him as well. He he didn't didn't pass his physical. He didn't do shoot around with us. He got here I think yesterday morning. Didn't do shoot around. Basically came right to the gym put his jersey on and, and played um, and actually he, he I mean he, he was percentage wire from the field wasn't great but I think the way he played and the shots he took and the, um, the situations he got kind of put in and um, was was what we got him for he, he kind of came out he made his first shot he was aggressive taking the three he, he got in the lane a couple of times and, and, and kicked into the corner for shots and um, that's what we need him to do. We, we need him to be aggressive. We don't want him to um, to not be himself because um, he's had a, a successful career playing the way he plays. So I think as a team and, and myself and individuals in our team and the coach staff can help him and, and obviously get him up to speed with our system and I think he'll be, be more and more effective the more comfortable he feels within the system. Joe Ingles joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So, uh, John Tucker, not exactly your story, but kind of your story. Undrafted, overlooked. He played in the G League. You played in Europe. Now, you did it for longer than he did. Uh, what can you do to help someone like him acclimate to the NBA? Uh, yeah, same thing. I think the more the more he's around us, the more he's with the team. Uh, same thing. He, he, had his, he was that shit around. He had his physical a bit earlier and, and was able to come and um, got to, to kind of watch shoot around and, and see a little bit of, of the, the system and that and um, I think like he said in his, his media just watching film and, and talking to guys and getting guys to um, help him at practice obviously can, can get him up to speed but um, we, we've got the same agent so I'd heard a bit more about him kind of coming into it and, um, my agent called me when we'd signed him and was was excited for our team, so it's um, obviously I, I trust my my agent, and then when he's excited about someone, it's it's hard not to be. So um, he, he was playing unbelievable um, in the G League. Um, obviously, has has deserved and, and earned this this contract. So obviously, you and Dante have the Australian connection. You were teammates for years, so you spent a lot of time together. Well, what do you say to him as he leaves? How do you reach out to him? How does that work? Yeah, it was. I mean, it's tough. Um, it's funny, obviously, our situation of, of us kind of coming in together and um, that old kind of. I guess we'll we'll have to ask Dennis one day or whatever. But if I was really coming in to to babysit him, and um, I've ended up staying here now longer than him. But yeah, I mean, we obviously we we found out. He found out. And we found out right before the the game in Miami. Um, and I was actually stretching, and he was like, "Joe, come in." And I'm like, "Dude, I'm, stre- like, I'm stretching. Like, I'll talk to you after. Like, 
can wait. Like, there's nothing that important right now. And he was like, and then he came over and he was like, oh, I just, I've been traded. So, um, everyone kind of got to see him, obviously, in, in Miami and, and kind of say goodbye to him. And, um, I guess for, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think for him, it's, it's, it's good. I think it's a, a good fresh start for him. Um, I think he was, he was very unlucky with, some of the, the freak injuries, some of the stuff he had is um, is, is rare in the league and um, and uncontrollable. Um, it's not like he was out there doing anything silly or stupid and, and got hurt. He, he had some freak things, and he um, credit to him for, for working so hard for, for so long. It's frustrating, I think, as, a, as an athlete. And I've been lucky not to, to have to go through it as, as or really at all, but. Um, when you're continuously getting injured and you're, you're working your ass off to, to get back and get to 100% and then get an opportunity to get out there and play and, and then get hurt again. And I mean, I think for him, like, uh, I think the thing that stands out for me is that stretch um, last year before he rolled his ankle in Detroit and um, just was starting to, to be confident in showing why the Jays drafted him. He, he was a huge impact for us for, for a a long stretch there before kind of a, a same thing. He just landed on someone's foot and did his ankle pretty bad. So, um, yeah, I think he's had a lot of bad luck. I think it's a, a great fresh start for him. And um, obviously, I, I wish him all the best as, as a friend more than anything. Um, and I'll keep in contact with him. And um, hopefully we, we play them soon and we can, can see him out there. You got a game coming up with the Clippers, and obviously you're on a good stretch here. I think you won six out of seven, seven out of nine. A lot of those wins are against teams with sub 500 records. You guys played, I thought, played pretty well against Miami, but weren't able to win the game. The Clippers are more in, you know, Miami's class. Maybe they're a little better than Miami. We'll have to see how that shakes out in the end. What do you have to do to get the win here? Because it seems like the bar is set higher for that game than it is for most of these other games you've been playing in this stretch. Yeah, I mean. I've- they're playing at a, at a really high level this year. Um, I mean, any road game itself is, is tough. Um, obviously, against one of the, I think their second, their record second in the league or whatever they are at the moment. Those two guys with, with Paul George and Kawhi, and then they've got some kind of role players slash the Lou and, and Montrez off the bench who are, who are playing unbelievable as well um, with, with those role players moving kind of understand who they are and, and how they want to play and um, yeah, it'll be a, be a good challenge for us because we uh, I think we've been playing well and a few people have mentioned it's been against sub 500 regular obviously that's out of our control we, we play who's in front of us and um, it, I record or not or, or whatever it's um, it's funny that if, like a lot of these <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of really good teams and players in this league and um, to, to go on whatever seven and nine or whatever it is we've done um, is good it's good for our team and, and obviously the way we're playing but we'll, we'll have a, a pretty tough challenge in LA and I think I think the guys are looking forward to it I think um, we'll, we'll get to get um, Jordan in today and, and kind of get through some more stuff and he can watch some film and obviously he'll feel more comfortable and um, yeah we'll just keep keep getting better as a group as we, we go along this little journey so do you have to FaceTime people for like three hours on Christmas? You got so many people, you know, in Australia. How does that work? The rest of us, you know, trade photos, maybe face FaceTime with somebody. But I'm thinking for you, 
That must be like a big chunk of Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, um, well, obviously it was the day before in Australia, so the twenty fourth night we were getting some calls and stuff. Obviously, the, that was the, the kind of the the day of the twenty fifth in Australia. So um, spoke to a lot of people then, and obviously it's not really them speaking to us; it's them seeing the kids and um, how excited the kids were with, with Christmas and. Um, and then obviously for us on the 25th, it's the, the day after there. And, um, we have more people obviously again, trying to same thing, just, just seeing, seeing the kids open their presents and, and playing with them. And, um, it's not really about when you get a bit older, which I quickly realized it's not really about you anymore. It's about the kids having a, a good day. And, um, yeah, we were, we were glad that the twins had a, had an unbelievable few days and, um, Santa was was very good to them. So um, yeah, it was a good couple of days. We've got Renee's family, Renee's mum and dad coming in today for a, for a couple of weeks to, to spend some time with the kids and and probably their daughter, um, but more the kids. Um, so it's been good. It's been a good few days. Well, Joe, I uh, hope you had a merry Christmas then, and I hope you have a happy New Year. And we will talk to you in 2020. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. There's Joe Ingles on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. When we come back, all the headlines. What is trending? Stay with us.